0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn when anything is covered and anything, and these days I mean anything, can happen. We have a very special guest this morning, and we're going to be talking, of course, about the uh, uh, subject du jour, which is Ukraine. And hopefully we're going to be coming at it from a little bit actually quite a different bit of a uh, different angle, something you will not have heard in all the coverage and all the talk shows and all the pontificators and all the pundits and all the people who suddenly think they know about this uh, country in the middle of Eastern Europe, the size of Texas, the largest uh, uh, nation in, um, in Europe, uh, Russia of course notwithstanding, which is not in Europe, Anyway, we'll get into all that, but I want to touch a few news items at the top. If you go, if you're new to the show, go to the othersideofmidnight.com, the othersideofmidnight.com, and click on uh, that, and that will take you to our uh, homepage. And at the top of the homepage, you will see a banner, a very provocative banner, which says, The Crucial Hidden Connection Between HD Physics, the Mayan Calendar, and Ukraine. And uh, that is for Sunday, the 27th of uh, uh, February of 2022. Click on that banner. That will take you to the guest page. And uh, under the guest page, you will see um, where it says Fast Links to Items. Click on my name. That will take you down to my section of Radio with Pictures. And the first two items tonight are, as they have been for now several weeks, since the amazingly successful launching and emplacement at the L2 position of the Webb Space Telescope. We're running weekly the NASA blog, which shows the current status of the um, instrument and telescope uh, conditioning process. Uh, Item number one is the blog itself. Uh, As you can see, if you look at the uh, image to the right of the the, uh, caption, web mirror alignment continues successfully. There are two images there, showing very blurry stars in a hexagonal pattern, 18 uh, images in a hexagonal pattern. And then it resolves to 18 very small points of light, which shows the progress in changing the curvature of these 18 separate hexagonal telescopes that are arrayed in this 22 foot wide hexagonal mirror, which will form the primary uh, energy collection uh, component of the Webb telescope, and as you can see in that graphic, uh, they grade from one to the other, the alignment is proceeding. And the next thing they're going to do is to take and register each one of those dots, which are images of one star in the constellation of Ursa Major. It's a g-type main sequence star kind of similar to the Sun with the equal amount of infrared radiation and they will then move the mirrors so they superimpose the final tweaked uh, high-precision version of these star images all 18 one on top of the other over and over and over again stacking them so ultimately this uh, collection of 18 separate telescopes uh, functions as one mega telescope with a as I said an almost a 22-foot wide mirror and that will take place between now and July item number two is the standard uh, uh, web page that we have uh, reproduced from NASA which shows you where web is the status of various instruments Uh, Temperatures measured on various portions of the telescope and um, that of course is uh, showing you the incredible differential between the day side and then the night side where the telescope is hiding in the shadow of this tennis court sized multi-layered Kevlar uh, shield. So the differential is something now on the order of 600 degrees Fahrenheit between the 185 degree temperatures on the day side and the nighttime temperatures which are now approaching 385 or more degrees below zero. Very, very cold, which is critical for an infrared telescope where you do not want the telescope to outshine the various infrared targets that you're looking at. Because remember, any object above absolute zero is radiating heat Radiating infrared energy. And so part of the art form of this telescope is to cool it to within fractions of a degree of absolute zero in the instrument so that you are detecting nothing but the infrared coming from the universe. And uh, as the weeks progress, we will give you more updates. And uh, this is going to be extraordinary because this telescope, just like Hubble, is going to revolutionize our perspective of where we are in the universe, how we got here, and who in the world we are uh, on this planet tonight. Well, who we are are a people, again, doing something that earthlings do an awful lot of. We are at war. Not all of us, but a key component. So, item number three, this of course is getting into the main subject of tonight's discussion, which is the war in Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine, spearheaded by Vladimir Putin, who is the current president of Russia, and uh, a few days ago uh, he initiated this extraordinary invasion, which, as we're going to discuss tonight, is not going exactly according to plan. One of the weird parts, and that's what item number three is all about, um, the Russian troops with some Belarusian allies, because uh, Putin has put troops into Belarus, which is a small uh, Eastern European country located just north of Ukraine. He has put them there, put them there over the last several months and they were part of this three-pronged invasion that he launched uh, last Wednesday night US time uh, Thursday morning um, uh, Russian time and on their way south toward Kyiv which is the uh, capital of Ukraine Um, they had to pass by Chernobyl remember Chernobyl the site in 1986 of this extraordinary most massive civilian nuclear power plant disaster far bigger and far more meaningful than Three Mile Island Uh, Chernobyl literally had a meltdown it uh, exploded uh, as fuel reached uh, water and it it it, it, um, pierced the uh, shell of the uh, reactor and spewed radioactive materials over a huge area around Chernobyl, which has now been uh, kind of uh, segregated as a, an exclusion zone, so that there's literally supposed to be nothing living within, I forget how many miles, 50 miles, 100 miles of the uh, reactor. Anyway, the invasion, part of the Russian invasion with Belarusian troops came down that highway that goes right past uh, Chernobyl. And apparently there has been serious fighting between Ukrainian troops and Russian troops over Chernobyl, which raises all kinds of very disturbing questions. And uh, you might want to read that background piece from Reuters uh, because it's a very good overview of what is there at Chernobyl, what is not there, and raises pretty profound questions as to why the Russians would be fighting for that piece of real estate when it's basically a tomb, and the only thing you could do would be to release the radiation and kill an awful lot of people, uh, not just in in Ukraine, but in Belarus and in Russia, and depending upon the winds, maybe in other parts of Eastern Europe. So it makes no sense to want to control uh, that site, and yet Russia seems to be fighting uh, with the Ukrainians to control that site. Uh, again, raising uh, questions that uh, there are no easy answers to. Item number four. Um, President Putin initiated all this on, on Wednesday night with an address to the Russian people and basically the world. Um, and he gave a very long, very rambling uh, speech which is available there as a transcript. Um, so you want to go and look at the uh, you know, Russian translation. Um, he makes all kinds of very interesting claims um, which need to be evaluated against other sources. And so uh, I thought I'd put that up there um, because you know it's important to go to original documentation, and this is in Putin's own words, Uh, why he thinks it's important for Russia now in the first, uh, uh, second decade of the 21st century to invade this country in the middle of Europe which has wanted for the last 30 years since the dissolution of the Soviet Union to simply be free. And yes, it has had lots of problems as a former vassal state of the Soviet Union, one of the so-called Soviet republics, but recently it had an incredibly open democratic election it elected uh, President Zelazny whose background is in media as a comedian um, and who has shown some real uh, leadership qualities by refusing to uh, be evacuated by uh, the United States in fact one of the lines from Zelazny who I think uh, this line is going to go down in history along with uh, don't give up the ship or nuts or any of the other Famous uh, war quotes. Um, when he was offered uh, transportation out of uh, Kiev, he um, said simply, uh, um, "I I need ammunition. I don't need a ride." And I have a feeling that's going to live long after uh, President Zelensky himself. Um, item number five. This is uh, to the heart of what we're going to discuss tonight. This is a think piece written by uh, Dr. Kalaman, who is our guest tonight, Carl Johann Kalaman, who is an expert among other things. He has a PhD in uh, physical sciences, in physical biology, but he has become very preoccupied for the last uh, several decades with understanding the nuances and resonances and potential prediction potential of the mayan calendar the classic long count mayan calendar and so we're going to ask him starting with how we got into this and then we're going to ask him the key question of the night which is using that as a tool how can we foreshadow what is going to happen next if not why in a largest uh, geopolitical or cyclic history sense why Putin has chosen this moment in time to invade a neighbor that in no way wants to be invaded and in fact is doing a very uh, sterling job of resisting the overwhelming armed might of the former Soviet Union known now as the Russian Federation. Item number six things have escalated in a very unfortunate and very uh, potentially uh, dangerous manner In that twice now, in the last several days, uh, President Putin has basically uh, brandished the nuclear sword. Uh, In a speech a few days ago, he brought up the fact that uh, the Russian Federation had nukes. They have over 6,800, I believe, at last count. Uh, The United States has something like 6,200, but in that uh, scale of things, who's counting? As one might say, there's enough on both sides to make the rubble bounce, and of course, to eliminate uh, an awful lot of life on planet Earth if there was anything like an all out nuclear exchange. So, everyone has been very careful in terms of rhetoric, except Putin brandished this initial idea that Russia's not defenseless, that as part of his uh, uh, defense posture, he has nuclear weapons, as if. He had to remind us and then yesterday uh he raised the specter again that he had nuclear weapons and he said that he had put them on high alert and all the analysts are busily scrambling to try to figure out you know has he really gone over the edge is he really nuts does he really think that in any kind of a nuclear confrontation uh humans would would come out on top in any way shape or form um, These are questions that uh, may be beyond the reach of even the Mayan calendar to answer. So without further ado, what I'd like to do is introduce my uh, first guest of the evening. We're going to be joined later in the third hour by Georgia Lambert, because there are some very interesting metaphysical overtones to this conversation. But I want to start by introducing Dr. Calamon. He's been a guest on the other side of midnight at least a couple of times, but not for several years. And when I came across this paper that he written a few days ago, it just was, wow, I've got to get Carl on because this is exactly where I want this conversation to go. There are much bigger forces, I believe, and I think Carl believes as well, that are guiding where Earth history is now pursuing some kind of future than is being discussed in media, on social media, among various pundits, network analysts, political uh, uh, viewers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, without further ado, let me introduce Carl. He was born in Stockholm, Sweden in 1950, and his scholarly career uh, is now beginning its third phase. The first phase was training and practice as a professional scientist between the years 1974 in 1993. He got his PhD in physical biology under the mentorship of a member of the Nobel Committee exposing him to a high level of international science. Later, as a senior researcher at the University of Washington in the United States, he wrote a number of extensively quoted articles in the scientific literature in the fields of environmental science, chemistry, and cancer. His second phase, which began about 1993, has been dedicated to understanding the ancient Mayan calendar and its underlying mechanisms and the making of this understandable to modern audiences and people around the world. A personal trip to Mexico and Guatemala in 79 as a backpacker alerted him to the potential value of the ways of thinking of the ancient native peoples and had him hooked. The mystery of the calendar was that it was not based on astronomy, and that stayed with him as he tried to make sense uh, of things that could be in-read to some of the most fundamental problems of human existence. Later, he dedicated himself to the calendar system full-time, and subsequently has written four books based on this to explore the consequences for consciousness shifts and biological evolution. He has also collaborated with current-day Mayan elders and helped them get their message out around the world. After many years of research in 2017, he found himself in the fortunate position to be able to draw from different phases of his background and started an entirely original exploration into the human mind and how this influences and dominates humankind. At least at the present while his biological background allowed him to see some ways in which the brain plays a role for the mind his background with a calendar told him that the mind itself cannot have its sole origin in the physical brain the mayan calendar therefore is a necessity a necessary component in any attempt to understand fully what the mind is and its origin and it is from that position that he says we can understand shifts in consciousness, temporary and long-lasting. So without further ado, Dr. Carl Johann Kalleman, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight.
1: Thank you so much, Richard. I, I really enjoy being back, and uh, it's, it's just amazing to hear the your introduction here and all the different angles that you're putting on this new uh, emerging crisis and uh, war in in Ukraine and uh, uh, I'm just looking forward to this uh, discussion and, and we I think we will go deep into the matter deeper than you get in other places
0: <laughs> well I'm really counting on that because when I read this paper you know my bells went ding 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 it was like oh my kindred soul because you and i haven't talked in a long time
1: no and, mm-hmm. and and
0: i have this physical model physical science model which affects both you know chemistry biology nuclear yes. physics matter energy exchange, and all that but not the least of which it also affects in the model consciousness and mm-hmm. i have felt for a long time based on the procession of the equinoxes that we're now at a very unique and special time in human history that humanity and beings living on planet earth had not experienced for something like 26,000 years and there is this window where interesting shifts should occur in the model in consciousness and all we have to do is kinda look around and see what's going on and see if the predictions of the model fit what's going on and boy they sure do so when I came across you looking at the calendar which I see as a a one cultural subset of efforts to mark these background physics changes in the field and the impact on consciousness as thousands of years go by, I said, I've got to get, you know, Kalman on and we got to talk about this because Mm -hmm. none of the current contemporary conversations about Ukraine and Russia and Putin and the deep state and the consciousness changes going on here in the United States and in other parts of the world, none of it I think has penetrated deep enough to look at these incredibly broad and incredibly determinative mega-shifts in consciousness over thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Yes. So where do you want to dive in?
1: Well. Maybe I should start by, by giving some overall background to the Mayan calendar, what, it, what how it's, it's structured, just basically.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, well, why don't we start there, but why don't we start personally with how you went from a physical scientist into yeah. something that is, to a lot of people, kind of airy-fairy and not, not touchable, not testable.
1: Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think that's... Uh, a fairly easy uh, question to answer. Uh, I think people are are misinformed if they think this is an airy-fairy field. Um, it, it, it's not like that. It, it's more like in the history of humankind, um, what we today talk about as science, including physical science and so forth, are is usually what, what we can track back to the ancient Greek and then going through the European history and then how that, uh, the the science has spread from there across the world, especially towards the West. But that idea or, or, or that had a whole uh, way of, of thinking of the origin of, of science, uh, excludes uh, the entire original population of the Americas and it excludes the western hemisphere so it's like trying to create a science based on only half of the world Um, so I I would say what I'm presenting here uh, is really going back to the ancient Maya but it's really a science. This, what science would have looked like if it would have been taking its starting point in among the Maya, especially, or in Mesoamerica more broadly, rather than having started in 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 Greece, and, and for some reason. Uh, it, Well, not for—it's not really an odd reason, but the the Mayan cosmology, which underlies its uh, uh, science, mm, mm, is uh, uh, is is something that uh, uh, it. it, uh, um, Sorry, lost my track there. Uh, uh, ah. Well, well, isn't it true that the. European
0: Greek model of science yeah, and I kind of call it the Victorian model because it really has okay. come down to us from Victorian England uh, assumes that the past is bad the future is going to be much better and there is some kind of linear progression in between whereas the Mayans and other indigenous people have looked at history as cyclic as opposed that's... to an unbroken chain and that's the fundamental paradigm uh, controversy between the two ways of looking at the world
1: that's absolutely part of it it's a, it's a cyclical um, and but I, I prefer to talk about it as wave like um, meaning that there are peaks in evolution and then there are valleys that in, uh, alternate with these peaks and uh, but it's not cyclical in the sense of identically repeating events rather it is similar kinds of events will occur on certain points in time with a specific periodicity so there is a number of these kind of waves Uh, among the most important ones there are nine such waves and these waves have actually been underlying the entire creation of the universe. And uh, uh, w- which means that, you know, there are patterns in evolution that we can learn to track and and, and see. The, the, there is a repetition, not of identical events, but of similar kinds of, of e- events. And,
0: and that is... So hang on, hang on. So you have envelopes which would be like mega cycles and then you have the details which is the fine structure and it's the fine structure that changes from the mega cycle or the mega wave to the mega wave to the mega wave
1: okay yeah um and and but but there is something else i'd like to say about how this kind of science differs and, and the, the kind of calendar system that I'm talking about, how it differs from uh, other calendars. And that's really fundamental. Uh, this is that the, the Mayan calendar is not based on the material reality. It is not based on, for instance, the uh, revolution of the moon around the earth or uh, of the earth around the sun. These are physical movements uh, and and are the basis for uh, all other calendars in the world, I I would say. The the Mayan calendar system with these waves, they they are not based on any such material uh, phenomena. Instead, as I have come to interpret it, 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 it's based on the evolution of consciousness, which by itself then has a wave-like movement. It's not a straight line, the evolution of consciousness. And this really is the reason that we experience that the, the pendulum shifts in uh, or swings in in history it goes to to one direction and it goes back uh, and so forth but it's not based on the material reality and this is something very important that really uh, explains why there are reasons to pay attention to the mayan calendar that you don't have in other kinds of calendar systems uh, that's just one of them but an, another aspect is that these waves that are influencing the planet and the human mind and so forth they are cosmically generated uh, they're not generated in our local solar system they're not even uh, generated in our, our local galaxy they, they come from the entire they embrace the entire cosmos and and uh, Uh, It it, it makes the whole process of evolution on our planet just a part of a a great cosmic plan. And uh, uh, that is something that the Maya would see. And uh, it's quite different from the uh, ways that European uh, uh, science has uh, uh, approached reality.
0: I'll tell you what, hold it there. We're at the bottom of the hour. My guest this morning for the first two hours, Dr. Carl Johann Kalaman, who is a physical scientist, but he has moved his research in the direction of consciousness, the, the ineffable aspect of human biology. And as you just heard him say, the foundation and the expression of that changing consciousness in something that's been bequeathed to us over time called the Mayan calendar. I got to tell you, I got some questions when we come back because my understanding of the Mayan culture as separated from physical reality, uh, I didn't learn that growing up and in school. And I want to find out the dichotomy between what I learned, what was taught, and what Dr. Kalaman is telling us tonight. You're on the other side of midnight. We're going to be talking all evening about the relevance of this tool, this calendar out of time to the current problems of Russia and Ukraine and a hinge point of history of nothing less than the entire world. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return.
2: As you continue to work on yourself, the tribe comes forward, they'll come right to your door. So just keep doing the work and it'll come together. Yep, as you increase your frequency, then you become more mature in your manifestation abilities and your other higher senses and gifts come online and then you have more power to make your world different and better and how you want it. And so that's why working on yourself is so important because then you're going to create the reality that you want rather than get sucked into the dystopia that's being created by the negative or shadow side. We're becoming uh, Renaissance men and women where we have multiple skill sets and we can dance from science into art and we can use both sides of our hemispheres and we can realize how much we have to really offer and uh, grow into. And this is what's happening now. This is where we're headed, into a really beautiful place. So we can rejoice in that despite the fear, despite what it looks like on the outside. This is how disease transforms. The mess in the chaos is necessary in order to see what you have before you so you can clean it up and just make decisions to change your reality. If you don't see it, how do you know it's there to even be changed? Or if you ignore it, right? Then how can you make the differences? You can't. So the mess is before us, accept our mess. And now know that that's part of empowerment to be able to see and to be able to transform it. Hi, this is Amanda Vollmer and I was on the other side of the news. And I really enjoy my time discussing deeper topics and really getting to the heart of truth and the things that matter in this world and what we are doing and why we're here and and what we're heading toward. I really recommend listening in and and learning, uh, expanding your awareness and your knowledge. It's important and these are the times to do it. And we're being asked to pay attention and to challenge ourselves and uh, think beyond beyond the box.
0: And welcome back everyone on this Sunday night, the 27th of February of 2022, where we are immersed in a major military uh, engagement in Central Europe, in, I'm sorry, Eastern Europe, which has not happened since 1939, the wholesale invasion of one country by another, very much like Hitler invading uh, the Sudetenland, etc., cetera. Et cetera. So uh, Carl, let me ask this, you know, and I hope it's not a dumb question, but growing up I was always imbued with the uh, uh, background that the Mayan calendar was a calendar of incredible precision. Um, and that, uh, it, you know, charting the, the cycles of Venus, for instance, or the terrestrial year, it was more accurate than any other calendar up until relatively recently in scientific history if the Mayan calendar is is adrift from physical reality and adrift from the moving cyclic elements of the solar system then why do the Mayans pay such incredible close attention to observing the solar system around us
1: yeah okay so there are several different Uh, uh, calendars uh, that the Maya would use and uh, when I say that their calendar was not based on the physical reality and the uh, planetary cycles and, and so forth, uh, w- what I'm referring to then are the prophetic calendar system, and which includes the, the sacred calendar of 260 days, which is sort of the core of the system. And obviously 260 days, that doesn't correspond to any known uh, astronomical cycle. And I'm also talking about the long count, which is the, the sort of chronology that they were using, uh, starting with, which had its starting point 3,115 BCE and has, is still going on. And it's even then part of, of this discussion of the, the war in Ukraine with, with Russia and Belarus. Um, so... Uh, There is, there are these. uh, uh, The prophetic calendars are non physically based, but then, as you're saying, they would also study the, the, uh, for instance, the the duration of the solar year, and uh, they they gave three decimal accuracy. Um, in in their estimate of, of the solar year. And that kind of accuracy wasn't reached in, in Europe until, say the, the, the 17th century. Of course, today you can probably give that uh, uh, duration of the year with a uh, uh, hundred decimals or, or something like that.
0: <laughs> not quite, um, but you're up no, there, yeah. Maybe
1: not quite, and I'm, I may, may not be completely updated, but much, much more uh, precision. And similarly, what you also said uh, uh, when it comes to... Mm, mm, the the uh, Venus cycle, uh, which is uh, which they gave us 583.92 days uh, uh, rather than uh, 584 days, and so there there is a precision there. But I would say that the, their interest in this was actually the the other way around what what you would mostly think most you know academic uh, mayanists and and people that you go down there to, uh, to listen to tour guides in the in the mayan sites and so forth they will emphasize they were so precise about their their uh, astronomical measurements but they will fail to say anything about the prophetic powers of of this calendar and so they basically are directing people in the wrong direction when it comes to seeing the, the, the more profound meaning of the calendar system that they uh, developed. So I'm not saying that they did not make astronomical measurements. Instead, uh, they, they were quite interested in that. But they, it wasn't that like they based the calendar on the astronomical measurements. Instead, it was the other way around. It was like they had a calendar, the sacred calendar of two hundred and sixty days, and then, for instance, they were interested to see how does that correspond to uh, planetary movements. And for instance, they were uh, they were able to see that the the uh, uh, the the revolution of mars around the sun would correspond to three different sacred calendar cycles so yes they did do measurements but their calendar was not based on it and the prophetic calendars was primarily those calendars that were not based on astronomy
0: that's a really uh, abrupt change from what I was, what I thought I knew about the Mayan calendrical system. Um, yeah. Are you saying, in, in 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 so many words, and I'm going to make you say it out loud, that the that the Mayan calendrical system was a heritage from someplace else?
1: Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, uh, I, it's known that. You know other peoples in in Mesoamerica, like the the so-called Zapotecs and the and the Olmecs, that were somewhat of predecessors, and they they might have had aspects of this calendar system b- before. I don't think that the calendar sort of would come from the outside. On the other hand, you know, if you ask what I believe, and and this is something I can't know, but if you ask what I believe, uh, I, I would think that any civilization out there in, in, in the universe would actually have, at some point in its development, have started to use this kind of a calendar system for the reason that it is cosmic and not based on the local astronomical conditions. And for the reason that these cosmic energies uh, uh, actually drive important evolutionary processes among living species. And uh, so I would suspect that there, there could be other civilizations out in the cosmos that have a similar kind of, uh, of uh, um, calendar system as the Maya. But this is just pure guesswork, but still I want to say there is a uh, logic to that kind of guesswork, and, and uh, even if I, I don't know it.
0: As I understand it, a, a calendrical system is based on observables. You know, whether it's the revolution of the moon, the earth around the sun, the cyclic appearance of planets, all of this. In other words, you got these metronomes with different frequencies going, like a pendulum, and you count the number of cycles, and that's what gives you a, a calendar. And the hard part is that the cycles rarely, if ever, are neat integers. They, they rarely divide evenly one into mm-hmm. the other. So you have to make a practical uh, matrix of how these different beating cycles relate to each other to produce an overall uh, useful, practical, everyday calendar. Um, so if, if the Mayan calendar is, as I thought I knew it, is not based on local astronomy in the solar system, yeah. then what's the foundation cycle that it's based on and how, is, how do the Mayans observe it? How, would, how did they sense it? How did they record it?
1: Yeah, so uh, there is the 260-day sacred calendar and it's worth mentioning because it's really the only traditional classical Mayan calendar system that is still in use among the elders down in Guatemala and and parts of of southern Mexico. And that is basically, it's just that, the shamans, the day keepers in this region, they sense that there are special energies to the particular days, and so the, in, in, the, there are thirteen numbers, and then there are twenty day signs, symbols, glyphs, and then if you if you multiply thirteen with twenty, you get two hundred and sixty such uh, uh, um, combinations, each of which is m- matches a certain energy now this is not something you can find evidence for in any astronomical cycle or 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 so it is based on the the sense the experience that no, wait, 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 let, me, let me have you back up say that again carefully okay it's not based on any kind of uh, astronomical absor- observation the 260 energies. It is based on the, the, the ability that people, especially in ancient times, uh, would have to capture the essence of these 260 days. The, each day then has a special spiritual essence, so to speak. And, and I have myself, over time, uh, learned to capture these essences uh not perfectly by any sense means of it but yes i i can for instance sometimes say who uh, has is born in a certain day sign uh, and and so forth there is a reality to it but it's not physical it's not based on 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 the astronomical measurements now that's part of the system but then the long count which is then uh, 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 uh so far it's gone five thousand one hundred forty years uh, uh, or, or, or so uh, that is based not on the, the the physical year oh but on the on the on the 360 day uh, year and uh, and and uh, uh, the 360 day years the Maya would use um, even though they knew that that wasn't the best estimate of the solar year but they used it because they knew that if they would develop a calendar system that is prophetic then they they would have to use the 360 day uh, uh, year as, as a basis for that calendar
0: I don't understand what you just said why would why would three sixty be a special number?
1: It, it is because it is. <laughs> that, that's all I can say about that. You know, in the same sense that thirteen and twenty are special numbers, in, in the same sense that as the number four for the four directions is a special number, in the same sense that the number nine is a special number because there are nine levels of 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 evolution. In the same sense that there are seven. Uh, uh, p- peaks in 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 a wave movement of thirteen, the, these are numbers that are uh, qualities rather than just measurements.
0: Because hmm. is it accidental, is it coincidence then that we divide a circle into 360 divisions called degrees?
1: Yeah, I think that's a me- meaningful um, uh, correspondence. I mean, the the, the 360 days uh, uh, s- circle—it comes from Mesopotamia. That, that's why they initially had that. But but I think it's uh, it's. I thought it's,
0: it came from Sumer by way of Babylon.
1: Yeah, yeah, but that's Mesopotamia. Okay. Yeah, and. Uh, um, but but uh, 360 days is also considered as the 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 spiritual year or the or the Bible. It's like the Bible. Well, Biblical. if you
0: if you complete one circle and you mark it with 360 divisions, and then yeah. on the other side of the planet, you complete a year and mark it arbitrarily in 360 divisions, isn't that a rather extraordinary coincidence?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, will, and and what I'm saying here is that it points to the fact that the number three hundred and sixty is a meaningful year, a meaningful number. But it's, but and, the
0: Mayan sacred calendar you said is two sixty, so well, where did the additional one hundred come from? Okay, no, it,
1: well, okay, I, I, I it, this is, it i would need graphs to 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 show this we talked about two different calendars one is the the sacred calendar which is 260 energies but then also the, the then i talked about the long count calendar which is the the calendar that has been uh, was, was activated in 3,115 BC and has is continued to run until the present time. And the, the, the basis for that calendar is 360 days. Even though um, that has run over thousands of years, it's still the, the basis is 360 days rather than 365 days or so.
0: So how do these calendars remain in sync with the astronomical reality of sunrise, sunset, moon orbiting Earth, etc., etc.? They, ha- really,
1: they, they don't really do that.
0: So they're an arbitrary system which is apart from uh, astronomical time, you're saying?
1: Yes. I'm not saying that they're arbitrary, but I'm saying that they're apart from astronomical time they are uh, reflecting the wave movement of of the evolution of consciousness, which is not a physical phenomenon. Well, let me ask you
0: a really radical question. Is it possible that these two cycles are reflective of a time when the solar system was radically different and the Earth did orbit the Sun in 360 revolutions of its own axis?
1: I, I don't think so, because they have measured the, the the number of days in a year over hundreds of millions of years, and if anything, it's now going down. So, if Well, I'm not back- talking
0: about a natural evolution, I'm talking about an incredibly sophisticated high-tech civilization that could move planets around, and that there was a time in our solar system when the configuration of the planets was different and the Mayan cultural heritage is from that time before things were changed to what we view as reality at present.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I can't answer that. Um, <laughs> it, it's, Very good uh,
0: term. Very, I like that, yes.
1: Yeah, I can't answer that. What I do know thats that, is that the 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 number of days in a year is going down, and it seems like it's asymptotically approaching 360 days. And I don't know when in the future it will come down to that. Maybe in 100 million years or something like that. But it's co- going down. It's it's not that it used to be 360 days. It is. I I, oh,
0: I guess maybe I'm not communicating clearly. We have found in our research that there are evidences of incredible high-tech civilization all over the solar system. A civilization with the potential to literally move moons and planets around to create what I call designer solar systems. Mm
1: -hmm. We
0: even have evidence outside the solar system discovered by NASA of other planetary systems that are so bizarre that the Occam's razor explanation is they're not natural. Somebody built them, somebody put them together. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. in particular of a system called TRAPPIST-1, which is about 39 light years away and consists of seven Earth-mass planets, all orbiting in coplanar orbits at varying distances from the M-type star, which is the center of the solar system, which under any natural model of planetary solar system formation and evolution is frankly almost impossible to conceive how something that bizarre uh came about so Mm -hmm. if you if you if you postulate that in 13.7 billion years which is the current canonical age of the universe Mm -hmm. uh, not looking at cycles of the universe itself but just a universe from a Big Bang to where we are now. That in all of that time, we cannot, by any stretch of the imagination, be the most sophisticated uh, culture in the galaxy or in the universe. Is it not possible that long before us, there were cultures or technologies or starfarers that created a technology based on a, a physics that we only have, you know, kind of hints of that allows you to negate inertia change mass move planets and star systems around so that the the mayan cultural heritage could in fact extend over a vast experience of time and space to when in this system the configuration of planets was not what we currently think of as normal but that that calendrical system those two systems came from a different measurement of time by that astronomy having nothing to do with what we currently observe
1: well that's that's possible it's just that what you know if that were the case i i wouldn't think that the 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 periods that the Mayan calendar is based on would be such holy numbers or or what we would perceive as sacred numbers. Uh, and and the, you, you would expect if, if that was you know if some previous civilization like that uh, had another kind of astronomy, then you would expect them to also have like fract- uh, uh, um, decimals and, and so forth. But that's not the case. In, in, instead these the, 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 the numbers th- uh, which build up the Mayan calendar system are, simple integers that in many different cultures of our planet are considered as holy. And so I I think it goes back to some underlying cosmic numbers rather than measured physical uh, cycles.
0: But again, you have this weird coincidence on opposite sides of the planet, you have a culture that measured a circle in 360, you know, integers. Yeah. And then the Mayans measure a calendar of 360 yeah. intervals, Yeah, and in our HD model, the 360 system is not arbitrary. It and its concatenations, ex- expansions of, of, a, of a mathematical matrix, are all part of this physics, which ultimately, in terms of experiment, actually winds up being able to measure changes in inertia and mass, or create a technology which can change inertia and mass so i'm wondering if if this is consciousness or we're only looking at a portion of of a real need to decode the origins of these sacred systems that are far beyond written history and were not tabulated or not recorded or not memorized or given as a heritage just the mm-hmm. numbers
1: mhm okay yeah which
0: mm-hmm. makes it very hard to try to deconstruct and find origins if if that's the case. So mm-hmm. let us go to the bigger question, which is how do these calendars relate to cyclic or semi-periodic changes of human consciousness, which is the heart of what I think we need to talk about tonight?
1: Yeah. So the, the way I, basically the, uh, the most important uh, pyramids that were built by the Maya um, in uh, about two thousand years ago, beginning about two thousand years ago, they, they are built in nine levels, and they they are like terrace formed pyramids, and uh, the the way to understand that uh, I, I believe is to. Look upon it as a a climb through different uh, levels, different states of consciousness, or you could also think about it as different structures of the mind.
0: So these are three-dimensional physical models that are metaphors for an invisible consciousness change
1: through time. Yes. And uh, since since they are terrace-like pyramids, you can lo- uh, you can uh, say that it it is forms of of quantum leaps between these different states. So um, yeah, I think uh, you
0: have one of these in uh, in your second item, in, yes. in radio with pictures. So if you go to the other side of midnight, click on the banner for tonight for Sunday night, the twenty seventh. That will take you to the guest page. Click on Carl's fast links to items that will take you to his section. Um, His item number one is a graphical representation of these nine waves of consciousness. And item number two is an actual physical pyramid uh, at, I believe Chichen Itza, which shows Mm -hmm. this in three dimensional pyramidal form in your model.
1: Yes. And so, uh, to take one, one such uh, uh, example, I, I think the best example is then oh, really
0: gonna... this. Oh, oh, yeah. sorry. Thanks, okay. Steve. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, definitely. See, you're, 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 you're too damn interesting. I, I get <laughs> lost in the conversation. That's not a, a good thing to happen. <laughs> anyway, um, my guest this morning is Dr. Carl Kalimann. We're talking about consciousness changes Are they cyclic? Are they determined by some vast background cosmic metronome? Stay tuned. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Over and out.